0: Welcome to Beer Talks. I think there are a few people here. This might be the first venture with Golden Beer Talks. That's awesome to see. And the regulars, of course. I'm Whitney. I'm part of a group of volunteer folks that put this together every month, second Tuesday night of every month, a variety of different speakers. So we're thrilled to have you. We have a variety of different breweries as well. So we cycle through them. And shortly we'll have a little discourse on the beer we're having tonight. I just want to make a few quick announcements. Let's have it for beer. (laughs) That's why we're here. The beer and the talking. And golden, three things we just love. (laughs) So, first, we always begin and end with gratitude. Thank you so much to the staff of the Windy Saddle because they treat us so well. Um, He's not present in the room tonight, but I always like to thank Greg Reed. He's a local musician who is awesome and also owns the sound equipment and lets us use it every month. So that's really cool for Greg. Thank you, Greg. I have a quick announcement about... Huh? If you want one for your very own, Yoko here will be selling Golden Beer Talks t-shirts at the break and after the talk in the back. So you can check it out. We have all kinds of sizes. We have girls and boys. Something to think about. Uh, does it, just come in black? it just comes in black. Oh, and they are $20. Or two for 30 I think. I'm not sure. How much for How much what? For five. For five. Trick question. I knew it would come from you. 100 bucks. <laughs> Right. Uh, do the math. No. <laughs> I'm going to get Frank up here, he's our beer ambassador, he's going to let you know what we have going on for beers and breweries, and he's also going to introduce our speaker tonight, Frank Blaha, beer ambassador.
1: Hello, thank you all for coming again, and uh, this month, and and, okay, two two, uh, uh, public service announcements. Unfortunately, we're almost out of beer, which is great, really, Uh, so we may need to be buying more beer uh, if that continues because we've been running out the last few times fairly quickly. Uh, And we're running out of glasses, so if you need a refill, you're going to have to take your glass back up. And they never run out of glasses, so there's there's weirdness going on. At any rate... Uh, the featured brewery this month is New Terrain Brewing. As as my non, well, actually this is kind of a Golden Beer Talks T-shirt, but this is the New Terrain T-shirt, and so New Terrain is uh, uh, the featured beers this month. And when I was there today, they have 12 beers on tap, 12 different beers, and they have a uh, canning line there. Well, they have a canner there, and so if you want any beer that they have on tap, you can get a one quart can. And you can watch them fill the can up, put the lid on, and kind of crimp it down. It's worth buying the beer just to watch them make your can of beer. And they're really big. You know, I mean they're one quart cans. Is that what Crowler? Charlie Sturdevant says they're called crowlers. And it's pretty cool. But they're one at a time, so they're not industrial, you know, so the beer doesn't last as long as an industrial canned beer, but they said it lasts longer than in a growler. So the crowlers have got a longer refrigerator life than a growler. Okay, until you open it, I'm told. Um, they also have a lot of events at, at New Terrain. You know, they, they do like yoga and beer and riding bikes and beer, and they've got a lot of events there, including a lot of live entertainment. And this month we've got cruise ride cream ale. And we've got their Hop-a-tropica, Hopatropica Pale Ale. And I thought they were both very good beers. There's kind of a description of each of them up on the uh, uh, walls. And um, I thought they were both very nice. So, always try to try the beers before we serve them. And so, su- Sunday we had a house guest. So, I went over to New Terrain with my brother in law. And they'd suggested the Cream Ride and Hopatropica. But we went over there and we ordered a flight of beers. And so we tried, uh, all of these that are circled on here are the ones that we tried. This was a twice-used sheet for the beers, and they said, well, they put X's by them, so you put circles on them, and we'll bring in your beers. So we had the cruise ride. We got Out and About, which is an American stout. We got Hapa Tropica. We got Golden Haze, and we got Black Current Goza. And the, um, the Golden Haze I wanted to comment on because Golden Haze was uh, kind of an interesting beer. It was a very hazy beer, and when the sun was out and it was hitting some of the other people's beer, it it really was. It was gold, and it looked kind of cool. And they billed it as a New England IPA. And I thought, I have no idea what a New England IPA is. And Charlie's over here. I'm sure he knows. So it's not necessarily a recognized beer style yet, but it's sort of the New England response to West Coast IPAs, where in the West Coast they keep going, Uh, higher and higher octane and more and more bitterness. So New England, they are kind of doing a slightly different interpretation. So they are uh, downplaying the bitterness a little bit or maybe more properly rounding it out with some other flavors, uh, typically including wheat to help round out the flavors uh, and downplay some of the bitterness. And so you get this, and they put the hops in later, so it tends to go and the more citrusy hops. So they described this beer as juicy citrus, and that's exactly what that golden haze was uh, when I I tried it, and both I and my brother-in-law really liked it, and so I thought, well, I think I might get this golden haze, because there are some people that really like the IPAs, and it was a little bit different, and I thought, well, this is sort of a new thing, and, and I think this is always fun exploring new land or new terrain, right? Um... But but I went up and I said, so do you have a lot of this Golden Haze? And they said, no, there's going to be like about another six six, uh, pours of that, and that's going to be gone. So we don't have Golden Haze. And my brother-in-law, his favorite from that little trip to the brewery was this Goza, which is a sour, a wheat-based sour beer, and I don't believe that was on tap today either. For sure the Golden Haze was gone Sunday night. So just pointing out going to the breweries can be an adventure every time you go, especially with the small breweries because they have these special brews on tap and they're on tap till they're gone and then they might be gone forever. So anyway, um, I wish I could have brought you golden haze. I'll be on the lookout for New England IPAs which are citrusy, juicy, kind of rounded out, a little bit downplayed uh, bitterness and tend to be cloudy and unfiltered. Yes. Uh, So there's a beer factoid for the month. Be on the lookout. I, I recommend trying a New England IPA if you ever see one on tap. Are you going to make any? Not intentionally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So with that, I will introduce Scott Grossman. And Scott, hold, Scott is with Jefferson County Open Space, so he's actually working on this as part of his job. So he's over here. You know, after hours, still working, nose to the grindstone, Employees. doing it. Never stop. Yeah. Yes. And Scott is the special projects coordinator at Jefferson County Open Space. And I ran into him when we did a uh, hike on Welch Ditch, right, in mid January, um, uh, with Jefferson County Open Space. And Scott holds a master's degree of urban and regional planning from the University of Colorado at Denver. And a bachelor's degree in biology from Colorado College, it has more than 10 years' experience in project management, planning, design, development, field biology, land conservation, public involvement and construction. As a field biologist, he worked on restoring the historic Atlantic, Atlantic salmon runs in New England, which is something I'd like to hear more about, but another time, perhaps, and studied the adaptive radiation of Andean cloud forest orchids in Ecuador. Now, someone's got to do it, and Scott does, <laughs> as well as the behavioral interactions of canids post-wolf reintroduction in Yellowstone National Park, which means he's, like, studying all of the different dog species there other than, I guess, hyenas, because okay. they wouldn't be there, right? Okay. Most recently, Scott has devoted seven years to Jefferson County Open Space on the Planning and Projects team focused on development and preservation of a diverse open space system of 54,000 acres of land, about 230 miles of trails, and 28 open space parks. I'm also a volunteer with Jefferson County Open Space, so some of this stuff I should know. He's the project manager for the Peak, Peak to Plains Trail, one of Colorado's 16 priority projects and a project of statewide significance. He takes great pride in preserving these special places for both the residents of today and the generations to come. Your county employee, Scott Grossman. All right, so
2: while that's warming up, hopefully it comes back on. I'm Scott Grossman. Uh, I wear many hats. My title changes very often, but primarily I work on our special projects, our big, weird, diverse projects. Um, I run our project management team, but anything that's really big, um, difficult, really political, I always get thrown into that, and that's where all the gray hair in my beard comes from. Um, so we all have choices in life. I chose to work for Jeffco Open Space and do this, so I'm not complaining by any means. Uh, I also want to say thank you to everyone that's here. This is an amazing turnout. Uh, I want to thank the Golden Beer Talks folks. I give lots of presentations, many of them are much, much more formal than this. Uh, So this is a nice change. Uh, A handful of those uh, actually have beer, but none of them have actually had beer in the title. So this is really awesome. Um, I'm going to untuck my shirt because I'm going to be off the clock, I guess. There it goes. So it's it's coming up. So once again, thank you. Uh, Let's just jump, jump right into it. I'm a big kid at heart, so I really like big trucks, big construction equipment which is really fortunate for what I do. So my presentation night is mainly just some maps, some pictures and some videos and I hope that you guys really enjoy it. Hope we're going to have some fun. If you have any questions feel free to stop me, raise your hand, blurt them out. I'll be here all night too so we can ask questions at that point too. Maybe we'll have a presentation. Um, But before we jump in, who knows about the Peaks of Plains Trail? Who's been on the Peaks of Plains Trail? Whoa, look at this the Peaks to Plains Trail. Uh, I often refer to it as the P2P Trail. That's with the number 2. So if you hear me say that, that's what we're talking about. Who here can let me know what the extents of the Peaks to Plains Trail are? Anyone? From the Peaks to Plains. From the peaks to plains. Yes! <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> yep. Loveland Pass on the west side. To all the way to where they serve New England IPAs. Yes, exactly. Um, so the Peaks and Trail is a large trail, um, basically connecting the Continental Divide at Loveland Pass down to the Denver Metro area, and the projector's warm. We should should probably cheers to that, right? And maybe the clicker will work, too? Mm. Nope. Yeah, well, let's do that. Now, so Matt's going to help me out. Uh, Yeah, just left, right, up, down, space bar. Oh. All right. I got a will an error message. I think we're good now. Should we start over? Does anyone want to answer the question, where does the peaks of planes start and end? All right. Peaks of Plains, Big, big, big dream. Uh, quintessential Colorado experience. Basically, one day we'll create a trail, multimodal trail across the entire state mainly Glenwood Springs down to the Denver metro area. So what you're seeing up here in the green is the extension west from the Peaks of Plains Trail. What you're seeing in yellow is the actual Peaks of Plains Trail, or what will someday be the Peaks of Plains Trail. So we'll focus on the green just for a second. We'll get into the yellow plenty here. But basically, as you get to Loveland Pass, who's ridden up and over Loveland Pass? Any triple bypass folks here? All sorts of people, right? So you can ride a bike up and over Loveland? No? Just a dream? Yeah, yeah. I just drove over it on Sunday. I don't ride over it, but I just... So you ride your bike up and over, you can connect into the Summit County Trail System and then the Eagle County Trail System up and over Vail Pass, all the way out uh, to Eagle and beyond, who's been through the Glenwood Canyon and the Glenwood Canyon Trail, quite a bunch of people here. So that's the big dream, is to connect into that system. So you can dip your feet in Glenwood Springs and then ride all the way downhill via uphill and uphill and uphill and downhill all the way to Denver, or you can start here and do the same thing, but more difficult. So that's the big, big dream, is to create this experience across Colorado. Um, The Peaks of Plains Trail is this eastern side of the Continental Divide and what we're really going to talk about tonight. So diving in here in yellow, uh, this is the Peaks of Plains Trail. 65 miles, dropping 5,600 vertical feet from the parking lot at Loveland Pass all the way down to the confluence of the Clear Creek and the South Platte. And once you get to the South Platte, you can hang a right end up in downtown Denver right at Coughlin's Park where the REI is. You can then stay on South Platte and head all the way down to Chatfield. You can take a left on the Cherry Creek and head all the way out to the Cherry Creek Reservoir. Um, so big connections all over the place. What you're seeing in here in blue is the Front Range Trail, which is another huge trail basically connecting uh, Wyoming on the north, downtown Mexico on the south, along the eastern edge of the Front Range. So bits and pieces of that are done. That's not in my purview. Um, But this connects into that as well. The majority of the pieces of this that are finished are uh, in the metro areas and connect into other trail systems, just like we're doing. So zooming in a little bit, um, who has been on the Clear Creek Trail or the Peaks of Plains Trail from Golden East? Anyone? Quite a few. So if you walk just a couple blocks that way and hit a piece of concrete, that's the Peaks of Plains Trail. You can then take that right and take that all the way to the Confluence with the South Platte. There's a really small piece that connects um, right in Wheat Ridge, the eastern side of Wheat Ridge that they're working on, where you have to kind of work your way through some neighborhoods, but that's the Peaks of Plains Trail. So right now, you can go from Golden all the way down to the South Platte, and then on to Denver and everything else that's there. The top of the canyon, who has been right where I-70 and 6 come together, uh, the old Kermit's Restaurant, it was then called the Tributary, and now it's called something else. I still call it Kermit's. I think most of us still call it Kermit's. But right from there, there's a trail that takes you right into Idaho Springs over the Scott-Lancaster Bridge, uh, the Twin Tunnels or the Veterans Memorial Tunnels that they just redid, the two new bores. Um, part of that was the new trail alignment around the Oxbow there. And then from Idaho Springs up to Georgetown, there's quite a bit of pieces that are already done. Some of this trail, unfortunately, will always be shared Highway 40 with the dedicated shoulder. Uh, but once you get from Georgetown up Um, Georgetown to Silver Plume is mostly done, and then we have Bakersville, which is somewhere right about here. Has anyone been on that Bakersville to Loveland trail? It's kind of a bear, right? It's awesome. It's uh, asphalt, it's tight, it's steep, it's definitely a mountain experience, which is pretty cool. The big missing link of all of this, though, is Clear Creek Canyon, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, seeing how it's right there. 16 plus miles, 16 and a half miles, three and a half of that, give or take, is in Clear Creek County. So this is the county line right here. The county line is roughly where 119 and 6 split. So the light there, 119 taking you up to Blackhawk, 6 taking you out to I-70. That leaves about 13 miles in Jefferson County. So this is the big missing link on this big dream of 65 miles, 5,600 vertical feet. So we've been at this in Jeffco for quite some time. We did a feasibility study for the 13 miles in our section of the the canyon in 2006, finished in 2006, and this broke the entire canyon into six trail types from easy to really difficult. Really difficult being, we don't really know how we're gonna build this. Uh, Maybe it's gonna be cantilever section off rock, maybe it's gonna be this, maybe it's gonna be that. We don't really know, but it's gonna be really expensive and really hard. Uh, Some of that is actually really easy. Um, Who knows that there used to be a train that went up the canyon. Quite a few people. train went all the way up to Black Hawk. We'd take ore down from the the mines up there down to the refineries and smelters in Denver. Uh, That was kind of abandoned in the 30s. Most of the track was taken up for the war effort for World War II. And then the actual highway came in in the late 40s and 50s. It's part of the highway expansion everywhere in the country. But the old oxbows, or the areas without the tunnels, or where the tunnels go through, that's where you can actually find some of that old rail alignment. The majority of the rail that you see nowadays, or you can't see nowadays, because actually under US-6. So we did this in 2006, way before my time, but thank you for anyone that was part of this, because that makes my life a lot easier. Zooming in, how do we actually do this? We have a feasibility study. We have a rough idea of how many wiener feet of easy, somewhat easy, really difficult, but how do we do that? It really starts with land acquisition and buying land. Uh, I'm really fortunate to come into a situation where the county owns pretty much the entire canyon. That was 20-plus years. That was over 40 land acquisitions in tens of millions of dollars to acquire pretty much the entire canyon um, only thing that we don't really own within the canyon is the right-of-way that cdot owns and then there's a little piece right here this is all one private owner uh, connects mount galbraith all the way up to San o- centennial cone about five plus thousand acres broken up to many llcs and family trusts and stuff but other than that we own pretty much the entire canyon um, this color right here is dmp that's Denver Mountain Parks, that's Genesee, you have the Beaverbrook Trails and all that. So once you have the land acquired, how do you do this? This is a gargantuan project, it costs tens of millions of dollars. We do it exactly like you would eat an elephant, uh, bite by bite, uh, or one bite at a time. So we break it into pieces, and we start with something that's small, or what we think is small, uh, in comparison. So this right here is what we just opened July of last year, has anyone been on this segment? What do you guys think? Thumbs up. You can be honest. It's after hours. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. That's the dream. I liken that to the model home. That's what we're going to try to do through the entire canyon. Um, We've talked for years. We have this feasibility study. We've never actually built anything in the canyon. But now that this is built, we know what it takes to build. We know the cost of it. We know the difficulties of it. We know the solutions of it. So we are open in July, July 28th of last year we open up three miles basically comes from the west side of tunnel five so that's right here this is the county line once again around the oxbow we put uh clear creek county put in a about 12 car parking lot Wraps around the Oxbow, which is a phenomenal experience. Just a couple hundred yards off of the highway, the sound of the creek, even in low water season, drowns out the sound of the highway, which is pretty awesome. Wraps around, underneath a couple of times, and then you have two miles, and Jeff go down to Mam Gulch. Has anyone been to Mam Gulch, Centennial Cone? So that connects into the 13 miles, 15 miles, if you want to do the lollipop at Centennial Cone. So right now we have three miles of the trail open. It's all 10-foot wide concrete, multimodal. You can walk it, you can run it, you can bike it. You can do pretty much anything without a motor on it. Um, No drones, of course. We are no drone zone, I always have to say that. Uh, So how do we actually build this? Uh, What we talked about was challenges and how difficult this is and how we overcome the challenges. Now we're gonna get into the fun stuff, which is all the pictures and videos and the stuff that really kind of geeks me out and gets kind of dorky. Hopefully you enjoy it as well. So a big piece of this is a. creating this trail with a surgical approach, making the trail always look like it's been there. We don't want to come in and create a 40-foot swath for a 10-foot wide trail. We want to minimize that as much as possible. We want to keep as many trees as possible. We want to keep as much of the canopy as possible. Uh, we also want to work with the land. We don't want to force things in. We want people when they're there to feel like this trail has really always been there. So here you can see a 12-foot wide piece of equipment. This is a track hoe. So this is what is actually cutting the trail. So you can see the slope. Do we have any engineers in the house? Frank's an engineer, I know that, so quite a few engineers. So when I have a 35 degree slope and I'm trying to put something flat across it, I need to build a wall, or probably two walls, one uphill and one downhill. I think this is the coolest part of the entire trail. This kind of shows the walk that I am. This is what the cut looks like before our concrete goes in. You have a downhill wall, so that's just a bunch of rock. um, Downhill rockery wall, or downhill rock wall. But up here, this is also a structural wall. So what we did is we created a structural wall out of boulders that are wedged in loosely and then we put soil and seed on top of that. So the idea is that that once that seed comes in, once the grasses come in, once the brushes come in, you have a handful of rocks poking out, you have a bunch of grasses, you have a bunch of shrubs and bushes and forbs, and then it looks like everything else. But really this is a structural wall. So everyone I take out, I ride through this section or I walk on this section and I stop and I point this out because I think this is the coolest thing in the world. Um, This is what it looks like, you can see the canopy, you can see the trees, you can see how close the trees are to the edge of the trail. We have some drone video of this that I don't have tonight, Uh, we might have a couple pictures of it. When you look from above, you can actually see so much of the canopy, you can't really see much of the trail, uh, six, eight months after we opened it, which is pretty awesome. So no drone zone? No drone zone, no drones in the canyon, or any parks that we own actually. Um, Special permission given on certain uh, extenuating circumstances, like if I beg and get on my knees. Uh, This is what the trail looks like after we put the concrete in. Uh, We actually stain the concrete afterwards uh, to give it kind of a mottled, kind of reddish-brown feature so it blends in a little bit more and kind of harkens back to the railroad and mining history of the canyon. We also have issues with uh, rockfall as well as steepness here. So all sorts of stuff going on. I love this picture. People I work with give me a lot of uh, flack about it because I use it all the time. But there's so much going on here. Back here you can see the Rockfall guys actually putting drape mesh in, so that's what the boom is here. It's kind of tough to help the light, but he has a big piece of drape mesh, just like you would see on a highway. And then you have the guys cutting the trail here and putting the walls in. Uh, This piece right here, that's temporary shoring. Because it's so steep, they have to put this in temporarily to hold everything back, so that's good for like six to nine months. Each of these pins are about 15 feet deep, and they're epoxied in, connected with rebar, and then a mesh over it, and then a geotextile. Um, so just a big piece for temporary, but all sorts of stuff going on in here. You can see the tracko, a track dump, right along the edge of the river. Once we get our base course in, we actually start building walls up from there. So this is one of the many types of walls we have. I showed some rock walls earlier. These are precast concrete blocks. So they go together like Legos. Once you get your first course in, they just kind of step on top of each other and sit on top of each other just like a Lego would. Pretty cool stuff. From there, you end up with something like this. This is one of those creative solutions to a problem you never knew existed. Um, Who's finished concrete before? Anyone? So you have a float, right, to make a nice, smooth surface, and you brush it if you need a texture surface on top of that. When you have an eight-foot drop on one side and then a really steep slope on the other, how do you finish your concrete? So we had to build these, these little buggies. What you have here is you have a railing that's welded into a steel rail, and then a little buggy with... Uh, train car wheels, and then a big wheel, and they just slide that along so that they can hang off and finish it. So lots of problems that you would never know existed until you get to them, but always creative solutions to get through them. So kind of cool stuff there too. And once you're done, that's what that trail looks like today. Um, I mentioned the stain on the concrete, so you can kind of see it in this kind of, maybe not because it's pretty bright in here. Um, All the railing, all the bridges are core 10. Who knows core 10? Anyone? Some? Core 10 is a weathering steel So it rusts to this patina, which isn't actually a rust, it's a patina. Um, And if anything happens to it, if someone graffitis it, if someone etches it, you just come and grind it off, scrape it off, uh, sand it off, and then let Mother Nature weather it, and it turns back to this color. Um, So that also harkens back to that mining history, the railroad history, trying to keep this trail as maintenance-free as possible. We also have the creek. The creek gets pretty high, especially the last couple of years when we've been building this. There's a gauge rate uh, a couple of blocks away from here. There, in the last 40 plus years, there have been four years where we've had overflows over 2,000 CFS. Two of those four years have been while we've been building this. Uh, Including the record year two years ago of 2,500 CFS. So what we do is we build these temporary crossings to get material and equipment across. There's basically three-sided box culverts that get chained together. Two wide, three deep, four deep, depending on how wide the creek is. So these enable us to get across with materials and equipment before we actually set our permanent bridges. We also have to get concrete across the creek sometimes. And we can't always get a truck to where we need to go. So we pump across the creek. You can see it going on here. Um, but we do it, and we opened it, and it's pretty awesome, and I get to do some pretty cool stuff, and I get to come here and talk to you guys about some pretty cool stuff. Uh, we were lucky enough to be awarded uh, last year one of the Governor Hickenlooper's 16 and 16 initiative. Has anyone heard of the Colorado the Beautiful project? has many facets, but part of it is to make Colorado the most bike-friendly state in the country. Um, they now call it the Colorado's 16 project, and it's basically the prior, 16 priority trail projects for Governor Hickenlooper and his administration, so we're fortunate enough and lucky enough to be one of those there are over 200 applications uh, we're one of three here in Jefferson County, which is pretty awesome, that front range trail that I showed you, and then there's a trail that connects uh, through the Arsenal and uh, Rocky Flats all the way up to Estes Park um, so those are three of the tri- priority trail projects for the entire state here in Jeffco that's why we all live here or work here so, we were fortunate enough to have Governor Hickenlooper come out for a ride, and hopefully when I press this button, the video will start. Are you Seth Myers fans? He was wearing a Seth Myers t-shirt before he put on his, his kit. This part,
3: this is one of the three rides we got in the 16, 16, 2016. I called the 16th and 16th. in Jefferson County. Uh, and I want to recognize this is Jefferson County and Creek County this is the first big missing link between connectivity going all the way across the state uh, from the front range all the way to Utah uh, I think it's going to once this gets done, it's going to take a lot of work to get there, it's going to be a backbone it's going to be the spine of the entire bicycle <laughs> network of the entire state and I think it's going to be a part of a, a real focus we've had in the past 8 months looking at this, the Colorado the Beautiful Plan and 16 by 2016. We're, we want to put the most emphasis, get the most attention, and it's right here. Uh, this will be some of the most difficult trail to build. I uh, think once it's done, it will be some of the most attractive and, and ex- exciting and inspiring trail that we see anywhere in the state. But what we're doing here today and hopefully through the rest of the year is making a, a real concerted effort. To, to say, all right, we're going to get this done. We're not going to put it on for 20 years. We're going to get
4: it done. We stand here today with the understanding that this represents the vision for a 65-mile-long Peaks to Plains Trail that will one day connect South Platte Trail in Denver to Loveland Pass, and then westward all the way to Glenwood Springs.
3: I was texting, they got the pictures, and I was saying, you're not going to leave
5: this, it's so exciting. Uh, anyway, here we are. I got to come early in the summer and bike it with a group, and, and everyone was blown away. So I think for those of you that haven't seen it, it's really impressive. And this broader opportunity to connect trails, uh, you
3: know, Bocos or, or Financial Powerhouse, it's just fantastic.
5: you see what this project is, it should make us all hungry, and much hungrier, because if we can do this here we can do this all the way down to gold and all the way up to the continental divide and leverage in colorado with one large recreational facility all kinds of recreation for our families our anglers we just doubled their access my access along this stretch Uh, and i also have a challenge that we continue to build separated bike trail for our families here in Colorado. So if if this is an accomplishment, it really is a dream come true, but it's just inspired one other big dream. And let's knock this out. Thank you all so much for this project. We want to recognize CDOT and the state for their commitment to this project here. And and Mike Lewis has joined us from Colorado Department of Transportation. And they really lent the right-of-way through this corridor here. Without that and without doing it in such a great partnership and seamless way, uh, none of this would have been uh, possible. So we appreciate uh, the state, again, Governor Mike, CDOT's contribution in realizing it, the dream that we all share. Congratulations. Wow. <laughs> awesome.
3: Do
2: that. So does anyone have a better job title than Ken Gart, as Colorado bikes are? <laughs> I, think, I think he gets paid $2 a year for that, um, but pretty awesome job title. Um, so we have a lot of momentum. We can't stop. We've got to keep going. We have to keep building off what we're doing. So we have another section of trail that's set to open this fall, maybe early, late summer, probably right around Labor Day. So we enter the trail right here. This section in red is another three-quarters-a-mile trail. Includes a new bridge over the creek. And what's really exciting, this is what we call the Big Easy. It's always been kind of a big recreation node. Um, Really wide, slow water. People in the summer get out of the heat and just come up and bring coolers, bring grills, and just party like it's a beach. We've never had any infrastructure there. We've had a couple trash cans. We put a sand on there for one summer, and that's about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to clean all this up. We're going to put a 50-something car parking lot in. If you've been up there recently, that's what's going on. Um, Pardon the dust. It's going to be awesome when it's open. So this is what we're doing. Um, Taking advantage of what's always been there and traditionally been used. We're putting a new bridge in right here. This is the Vasquez Bridge, uh, 129 feet. We're going to create river access points just like you have here in Golden with big block steps down to the creek. Uh, that will help with erosion, set control, access, build a revege some of the area. We're going to put a boardwalk in across this entire area right here, making that out of black locust. Does anyone know black locust? Does anyone know Ipe? Everyone heard of Ipe? So Ipe, I-P-E with an accent over it, that's what is traditionally used, really hard, really dense, really rot and insect-resistant. It's a Brazilian hardwood, comes out of the rainforest. Black locust is a kind of weed tree in the southeast. Anyone from the southeast? Yeah. So we're going to try black locust and see how it goes. Uh, we also have an ADA river access point, a bunch of picnic shelters, a permanent restroom, and then the coolest piece of this is a 54-car parking lot. Um, if anyone's been up here, there's a really large dirt pullout. Uh, we always call that the Clear Creek Depot. So originally we were like, let's just throw the parking lot there, and we'll figure a way to get people across the, the highway to the creek. So we looked into an underpass, just like at Mayhem. We've actually had to raise the highway about 10 foot to keep it out of uh, the 100-year flood event. Uh, we looked into a bridge up and over, and we realized no one's going to go up and over if they can just walk across the street, because we're all adults, so we can cross streets if we want. So then we decided to think outside the box and say, well, maybe CDOT will let us move their highway and move the highway to that shoulder on the north and then put the parking lot where the highway is and now, boom, we're on the right side of the the highway. So that's what we're doing. So this is your current highway alignment that's your future highway alignment and when i say future that's actually the now we did this last week we closed the canyon for 22 hours wednesday night into thursday morning we set this bridge and we did that new highway alignment so if you go up there now you'll see that we're well underway with uh that new recreation area we call it the big easy trailhead and the big easy recreation area which will be awesome this is how we do it, lots of big equipment, I promised lots of pictures, track hose with breaker bars, I tried and I tried and I tried for dynamite to break apart this uh, rock face, the contractor said it would take two on, get all the permits, this ended up taking nine weeks, dynamite would have been way faster, so now I have that in my back pocket. For future, lots of dynamite. Uh, If you have Verizon, you have cell reception in the canyon, which is awesome. If you have AT&T or anything else, I'm sorry. But we do have cell towers. We had to move a cell tower, which means we have to move the fiber optic lines and the power lines. So that's what's in this ditch. That's the cell tower. It moved over there because this is your new highway alignment, and that will be our trailhead in the future. This is what the new highway alignment looks like or looked like last week when they were doing their last lift Uh, looks a little nicer than that now, but it's pretty awesome. Uh, Big shout-out and thank you to CDOT. Is anyone from CDOT here? Yep. Thank you for everything that you do because we couldn't do this without you. This is amazing that you guys let us move your highway. Uh, Also requires us to work at night. Uh, So this is Thursday morning at about 2 a.m., give or take. Uh, Setting up our new bridge. Built it on the highway. This is, like I said, the Vasquez Bridge. Comes in four pieces, so you have your two main pieces that come together. I don't know if you could tell from the video but we have overlooks on each bridge so you can get off the trail they're about four to six foot deep by about 24 foot wide so then those get bolted on and the whole thing gets swung into place something like this uh like i said i'm a six year old i think this is amazing it's a 450 ton crane uh 550 an hour if anyone ever wants to rent one (laughs) or wants to give me some money to rent one So momentum is key here, we can't end in September, we have to keep going, so we were fortunate enough to we we'll start working on our next segment, which is the mouth of the canyon, the mouth of Clear Creek Canyon. So that's three a mile and three quarters, right from the east side of US six up and around tunnel one. So that's tunnel one right there. It includes improvements to the Welch Ditch. That's part of the reason why we were giving tours and we'll continue to give tours as the uh weather gets nicer, but so we met Frank, so we met Matt, uh, and that's why I'm standing here today. Also includes two new parking lots. One right here and one right here. So this is that big pullout on the left. We'll see that in just a second. Mile and three quarters. It also connects to Chimney Gulch. So this is the area over here via the Welch Ditch. That's where the hang gliders and paragliders land. Does everyone know where that is, give or take? And if I can find a little bit more money, I'm going to clean up that underpass, that kind of skeezy underpass with all the graffiti and all the skeezy activity that happens in there. Keep that one for uh, drainage and water and then put another one right next to it for pedestrians. So you kind of have a loop connection here. And then we're going to put in a suspension bridge right about here. Three-foot suspension bridge will be new for us and that will connect to the wooden section of the Welch Ditch. Has anyone seen that? Does anyone know that? That thing is awesome. Uh, We've had that closed. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but this is what it looks like. So you've got a loop here, suspension bridge there, which is your Welch Ditch, which is right here, and then the red and yellow is your actual mainline peaks of plains, your ten-foot-wide concrete. I joke. This is where Shel Silverstein wrote the book. Where the sidewalk ends. This is currently where the sidewalk ends. It's right over there. That's the east side of US 6. That's six right there. We're going to connect the concrete here, go underneath, and then up to the church ditch. So the nice pay or a uh, nice uh, aggregate trail, the Grant Terry Trail, right on the creek, will stay just as is. We'll uh, connect up top mainly so we can connect to this parking lot. Has anyone try to park here? It's horrible. Uh, There's always way too many cars. You're trying to cross traffic. People are speeding up, slowing down. We're going to put in at least 75 cars here. I'm trying to get more, um, maybe about 100, maybe a little bit more, depending on funding, depending on engineering. We do have enough room to put a left turn lane in when you're heading westbound and a right turn when you're heading eastbound without having to widen the highway. We can just play with the geometry. So you have cell lanes in both directions, so you want to fight traffic or worry that someone's going to rear end you as they're speeding up to go up canyon, head to Blackhawk and gamble or ski or whatever. Uh, we're also going to do big improvements to this, which is the really cool part. So the Welch Ditch started in the 1870s. The wooden flume came in in the late 1820s, finished in the early 1830s. We took uh, ownership of the ditch back Four or five years ago, the dish company still owns the water rights, but we own the land. We closed the wooden section pretty much right after we got it for safety reasons. Mainly, there's a ton of structural issues with this wooden section. Um, So we're going to clean that up. We're going to clean up the earthen sections around the climbing area. Who here is a climber? Canal zone, twilight zone. Yep. We'll continue to have access, but better access to that. And then all the way around to Chimney Gulch. And if I can find some more money underneath six and into mines and then back to the trail just over here. This is what it looks like today. We love the way it looks. We love the way it smells. We love that old creosote. We don't want to play with this too much. We just want to make it safe. You're going to get splinters if you're up there. This will be pedestrian only. I mentioned the suspension bridge. That will be about three foot wide. Um, You just can't get bikes in here. It's not not wide enough. Um, So we'll clean it up, make it a little safer, have some interpretation, but really leave it just like this, uh, just the way you see it little plaque up there from the Golden Canal Reservoir Company, uh, so all the dug fir that's in there came out of Seattle, old growth out of uh, the Seattle area, Olympic Peninsula, came in from Seattle on train cars and put in here, finished in 1932, um, so we'll do some more interpretation around this with that, we got another last video, and then I'm just The Welch Ditch
4: is an abandoned agricultural ditch in Clear Creek Canyon. It was constructed in the 1870s, and the wooden flue portion of the ditch was constructed with timbers from Washington State in the 1930s. It served to irrigate thousands of acres of farmland in Jefferson County over the years when it was functioning. It is located just west of Golden. It's about a mile and a half in length, it begins at a takeout on the west side of Tunnel 1 and follows the expo around Tunnel 1 to the mouth of Clear uh, Creek Canyon and continues eastward into Lakewood. The wooden food portion of Welch Ditch is close to the public. Once we acquired it from the Golden Canal Reservoir Company, we closed it in 2013 because of public safety concerns in that wooden flume structure. It has some areas of instability and rockfall fault areas that are going to need to be addressed. So our project goals involve converting this abandoned agricultural ditch to a public trail. And the goal of the project really is to make sure that the trail is safe. We intend for it to be a rustic, hiker-only experience because of the narrow width of the ditch and the intent to maintain and preserve the climbing access along Elch Ditch at both the Canal Zone and the Twilight Zone climbing area. The experience is going to be absolutely magical once it's completed and this one and a half mile segment of the abandoned ditch is intended to link with the Peaks to Plains Trail and the Chimney Gulch Trail that's found at the mouth of the Creek Canyon. We're really excited about the loop potential that this project is going to offer in concert with those other trail connections.
1: The next steps
4: are for planning and design to take place in 2017 and following the plans and the design work that we're gonna need for specific areas that need stabilization, we anticipate that the construction will hopefully be completed by 2019. And we just really believe that telling the story of the Welch Ditch is gonna be an essential part of the visitor experience that really honors the past and the people that helped to construct this amazing feature in our community. It really is intended to be a celebration of the history of this amazing feat of engineering.
2: So, it's my last slide. If you want more information, you can follow our blog, or it's kind of my blog. I'm right on the cusp of being a millennial and not a millennial, so I go either way depending on whether it suits me. In this instance, I'm not a millennial and I'm a bad blogger. So, sometimes this gets updated all the time. Sometimes we go a couple weeks to a month without updating it. But this is the best way to really stay up to date and let uh, know what's going on. And lastly, if anyone's a contractor and wants to bid on this next segment, The advertisement just went live about an hour and ten minutes ago, so you can find that online if you want to uh, join our design-build team. And with that, uh, I think we're going to take a break. Take a break. need another beer. Grab another beer if they're still around. I'm here forever, and we can talk and have questions. So thank you.
0: Get together those questions. Oh, we've already got an arm up. All right. We're going to go ahead and start the QA here. All right. All right. Fine. All
2: right. Who's ready? All right. Make them easy. So, when I park at the in Boulder County, oh. they- All right, so everyone heard the question? Do I need to repeat it? Um, so in Boulder County, to park at open space parks, you have to pay $5 because you do, are not from Boulder County. Uh, why in Jefferson County do we not charge to park here? Uh, great question, way above my pay grade. <laughs> I will say, uh, so question, who knows the funding and the funding history of Jefferson County open space? Anyone? Kind of. So. In 1972 uh, yep see you got it. <laughs> 1972 uh, the League of Women Voters and what became Plan Jeffco has anyone heard of Plan Jeffco? they're amazing. join if you can. they do amazing amazing work. Uh, got a ballot initiative so they got enough signatures and they got something on the ballot to approve a half cent dedicated sales tax for open space preservation. At that point, the county sales tax was 1%. So they were taking half of their county sales tax to, for one day in the future, create someone like me to have a job. Um, so that half-cent sales tax was passed in 1972. Voter-initiated, voter-approved. So 1973, that tax started collecting money. Um, that does not have a sunset. It's in perpetuity um, because we, are long, uh, we long predate Tabor. Um, so we have a half cent dedicated sales tax. So everything you bought tonight, a half cent of that sales tax went to paying my salary to building that trail. So thank you, guys. That's pretty amazing. Um, in sheer dollars, that has brought in over a billion with a B uh, in its lifetime. Uh, 2015, it brought in like $44 million, something like that, 43, 44. I don't know the 2016 numbers. So I'm on a long di- diatribe here, kind of off topic. But the thought is in my mind, is that we're already taxing you to uh, come to open space. And we're not just taxing the residents here because it's not property taxes, it's not general fund dollars, it's sales taxes, uh, or sales tax. So that's anyone that's here, anyone that's recreating, everyone that's eating, anyone that's hanging out in Jefferson County. So that's the thought behind that one, in my mind. So does that answer it, kind of? And we're not Boulder County, so. We do things very differently. (laughs) Yes. So great question, um, how, how is this being supported between the different municipalities? Uh, I didn't mention it, but there are 13 political entities of the state that this trail will touch, this 65 mile stretch. So that is counties, just like Jeffco or Clear Creek, that's park and recreation districts, um, that's cities like Golden here, um, and all of them um, have a piece, a lot of them are already done. Jeffco and Clear Creek are the two that really need some work. I didn't really touch on funding. The section up Canyon, we received $4.6 million from Great Outdoors Colorado. Who knows GOCO? So that's state lottery funds. So anytime you play the lottery, we fund recreation, uh, parks and rec, uh, ball fields, all sorts of stuff, playgrounds. Uh, so we received $4.6 million in a du- dual joint grant between Clear Creek County and Jeffco. Uh, we also received $2 million from GOCO for this stretch around the mouth of the canyon. In each of those, we also received money from our partners. So each of those agencies that touch this trail. So Up Canyon received $150,000 from the cities and rec districts. Team Evergreen as well. Team Evergreen uh, bike organization does a triple bypass, stuff like that. Uh, for the mouth of the Clear Creek Canyon segment, we got $500,000. I think it was 200 dollars from uh, Golden alone. Um, So they're putting money in as well, even though this often doesn't necessarily touch them. Uh, This segment here for sure will most certainly impact Golden. Uh, But, yeah, so they're starting to pay as well. Uh, Partners along the way, they write letters of support as part of our grant process too. So, yep. So what is there? I have kind of three
5: questions. Uh, All right.
2: Do you want to start there or do you want to ask them one at a time? All right, so conceptual, conceptual design between where we're going to finish here at the mouth and the big missing link that's roughly eight miles, uh, that's that feasibility study that I mentioned. That's kind of our guiding document. Um, that's where we base numbers off of. Just for perspective, in 2006, it was estimated this trail was going to cost $30 million for our 13-mile segment. Uh, we're now significantly over that. It's been 10-plus years. Ballpark of roughly five million dollars a mile to build this route, um, so it 's expensive, not cheap um, so that 's the kind of guiding document, conceptual design, if you will, open to changes, of course, because we don 't have geotechnical analysis, heavy engineering. Uh, we do tweak and move things around a little bit as that happens. That feasibility study? Now, that's a finalized document. So the way this happens, uh, we do what's called a design build process. So there are a couple of different ways that you can do large-scale construction processes like this. You can design it. So you can hire an engineer or a team to design it. You can then take that design and then bid that out and have a contractor come in and do that. That's design, bid, build. So there are two advertisements. Uh, What we do is a one step process. We do a design build process. So we design and build at the same time or under one contract. So the engineering team, the landscape architecture team, the contractor, they're all together at once. So all that is happening together, if that makes sense. So we have a design that's kind of conceptual level and then we refine that the contractors at the table so they can have some input and say actually I can't build that that's impossible or maybe if we move it this way or think about doing it this I can save you some cash so that's all part of that design process design and build at the same time does that kind of answer your question hmm? so- Yep, most certainly. So I should have brought the feasibility study tonight. I'm sorry I didn't. But yeah, there are six different types of trail. Some of them are natural benches that are either occurring or in those oxbows, you actually have the old railroad line. You have the old railroad grade. The steel is gone, but the grade is there. The walls are there. So that's really easy. You come and kind of mess with the grade a little bit, put up your forms, throw the concrete in, and you're done. So that's super simple, super easy. Some of it is fill. So you have to fill an area. Some you have to cut out an area. Um, some is part of that area. Of, we don't really know. This is really difficult. Maybe it's cantilevered. Maybe it's something else. Uh, so the entire canyon is broken up into those six types. Uh, and we have lineal footage of each of those. So we have rough costs, very, very rough costs. As part of that as well are parking areas. So pullouts that we want to uh, get rid of just because they're dangerous because of the curves or sight lines. Also uh, areas that we want to improve or grow or create larger parking lots. So yeah, the entire feasibility study does that at a conceptual level, but until you have the ability to come in with a like big drill rig and drill down and get core samples to know where bedrock is, if this huge boulder is bedrock, or if that's just a huge boulder that's hanging out, um, all that stuff can't really happen until you create that road that comes in. Um, we did, we've we done some cool stuff with kind of seismic analysis, So you can set up a string of 100 yards long with a bunch of microphones every couple of feet, put a big piece of rebar in the ground, and then you pound on it, and the shock waves go down, and then they come back up. And based on how long it takes to go down to come back up, you can get an idea of where bedrock is and what the soil type is in between. That's only for that really narrow corridor. So it helps give us a better idea, but until we get in there and start cutting it open, or until we get a drill rig in to actually do some core samples, we don't fully know what's there. So next segment up after the mouth. So that's a great question. Um, A lot of people always ask, and I'm going to answer this one in case it is a question, why did we start off top? Why didn't we start here where it connects to Golden? So twofold. One is uh, GoCo put us together. So both Clear Creek County and Jeffco submitted uh, concept papers for the grant, uh, separate. And GoCo said, wow, you guys should come together. You can both help each other. You're going to make your grant that much stronger if you're together. So that's why we straddled the county line. Uh, that area, also upstream, is kind of a standalone area. It can—it's a big recreation area. The water's pretty slow. That's why kayakers and rafters aren't really in there. If they are, they're primarily passing through or just taking out. Um, the big easy is kind of that beach area that can just kind of hang out. It's a big recreation node. So, in many ways, that area can kind of stand alone by itself. So, to answer your question, where do we go from here? There are a couple of different lines of thought with that. Do we continue to go up canyon from where we're ending? Do we come down from where we started? Or do we start to pick off those easy areas or those recreation nodes? Uh, Tunnels two and tunnels three, that area right there is a good example of a recreation node and an area that's heavily utilized right now that could stand alone for some time. Thought with that is you start picking those off and then you have a much stronger grant case to say for this next mile and a half, look at this connection that we make and this gap that we're filling in. Has anyone been to Durango and been on the Animus River trail? That's how they did that one. They did all their easy ones first and then started going up higher and higher and then they were just left kind of with those hard ones and we say, look, with this three quarters of a mile and whatever money, we can fill this gap. So that's another train of thought. Um, Where we go and whether it continues up, continues down, or does those kind of recreation nodes above my pay grade. Um, I kind of have thoughts. I see all sides. I don't really know. Open to discussion in the future, I guess. Yep. Are you done? Do we get them all? All right, he's cut off. No more. First of all, thank you. This is awesome. And secondly, thanks for your efforts to preserve Welch dish. It's been great. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I use it all the time myself. So I'm just curious what... You said I use it illegally. I actually don't go past the laundry. I'm off the clock, so don't worry. I'm also not a ranger. I'm not allowed to give tickets. We can have a stern conversation. But I can't give you a ticket.
1: But this is um, this is the me. Well, oh. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm just curious about maintenance hmm? and moving forward, like the plans to maintain. And specifically, I was back there and I couldn't really see the pictures very well, but
2: the structural wall that you showed us and you talked about. That I talked for a really long time about because I'm really kind of dorky. You yeah. Know, like So the question is maintenance and how we deal with maintenance. So we have an operations and maintenance plan for what we've opened. Um, it's a very dynamic plan and is most certainly meant to be tweaked and changed as we figure things out. This is all pretty new to us. Um, in terms of that wall where you have the uphill of rocks with all the grass and everything coming out, that shouldn't need much maintenance um, unless there's some movement of the earth and everything starts crumbling really shouldn't need much uh, in terms of larger structures like bridge those are on an annual maintenance inspection by engineers and maintenance happens as it's needed um, that should be pretty minor didn't mention it but those bridges are all built to a hundred year flood event so in a hundred year flood event uh, there's about six inches of freeboard or six inches of clearance underneath that bridge In 2002 years ago, so 2015, when we had the highest flow we've had in the 40 odd years at 2,500, that was like a two to three year flood event, just to let you all know. Uh, So, 100 years way up from there. Um, In terms of other maintenance, we're estimating about 10 to 15 grand a year uh, per mile, which is not that big all said and done. It may sound like a big number, but it's not all that much. Um, we try to make it as maintenance-free and minimal as possible. There's always maintenance on things. We have lots of pullouts and kind of rest areas. They're just boulders we find along the way, so we don't have picnic tables, things like that. The stain that we use on the concrete is a water-based stain, and it has this kind of mottled look. So instead of stained concrete, if we need to replace a stone, um, we can then just come back and spray, and it has this kind of organic or mottled look so it should match a little bit more rather than stained concrete that's had a bunch of UV and is kind of all messed up. So. Yeah, we have uh, about a 12 to 15 person full-time maintenance team, and then a ton of seasonals that we hire, so, yep. Yes? So, Welch Ditch is really cool bringing water from the peaks to the plains, and it's pretty ancient technology. I wonder if you know how old that kind of engineering is. So, Welch Ditch brings water from the peaks to the plains. Really cool engineering. How old that technology is, or how old the ditch is? No, no, no. Human human innovation. uh, Overall, I was a bio undergrad, I didn't take a lot of history, but I think the Egyptians were doing things like that, right? With the Nile. Um, the Romans were most certainly doing that with the aqueducts. And, uh, any other help on that one? Uh, a long, long time. Water goes downhill, it turns out. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> Mesopotamians, too, it turns out. Yes. <laughs> So the Welch Ditch is closed to bicycles. Let's go to a map. So the question is, Welch Ditch is going to be closed to bicycles. How are bikes going to get past there? Great question. Um, So the Welch Ditch is not the mainline Peaks of Plains Trail. So the Peaks of Plains Trail, I'm going to get off mic and just come this way. So you'll come underneath 6, and then you'll come up to the church ditch, and then you'll come across the bridge at Grant Terry that we currently have. And then you'll be on the south side, cross another bridge, hit a parking area here, and then come around and then this is the old rail line on this side. The Welch Ditch will always be above it or on the opposite side of the creek. So it will be a separate experience. And I say this with a caveat that this is based off of our feasibility study. And as we actually start designing and getting some engineering, things may change. We moved roughly 3 quarters of a mile of the trail up Canyon from in between the creek and the highway to the opposite side. Compared to what it was on the feasibility study. So, this is all based off that feasibility study and subject to change. But, yeah, separate trails, great question. Hmm? Yep. Scott, you know I'm a huge fan of the trail I think you work on it. I recently rode Golden to the confluence. Huh? Uh, and Westminster has done a lot of improvements on Clear Creek Trail new signage, new trailheads, new, new pavement. Um, Adams County hasn't done anything maintenance wise, but they do have a master plan for Clear
3: Creek. Mm-hmm.
2: So it turns out we need some branding and some marketing. Who's, uh, who's in marketing here? <laughs> you're on you're you're welcome. It seems to be, if you oh, build a lot more awareness of this. So question or comment is mainly that we need branding and a common sign plan for the entire length of the trail. We actually do, we have a master sign plan for the entire 65 mile length that was done in conjunction with all 13 political entities of the state. Um, So the stuff that you're seeing with the mile markers and the kiosks and the P2P logo, which looks like that thing right there, where you saw in core 10, that's all what comes out of that. Um, How cities, counties, rec districts put that in is kind of up to them, Um, so we are trying uh, we are kind of the big instigator or big pusher of all of this um, so we're helping fund some of that and that's what you're seeing out on the trail we're doing it ourselves but yeah, great point, something that we need to work on and make sure that we're all kind of having the same image and the same brand it, that document does exist actually putting it into play is always the more difficult, difficult piece than actually writing the plan does that kind of hit it? a little bit? maybe I should say I know, I'm sorry <laughs> Out of my job description? (laughs) No. Uh, Great point, and something that we are actively working on to make sure that, uh, that all works. So you always know you're on Peaks of Plans. Other questions? Yes. And me yeah, you know, it's really, it's so the comment is that uh, most trails they get built with by segments like this have road access this does not have it I've been saying this a lot that I didn't mention this because I could talk about this for hours and hours but there's currently no pedestrian access within the canyon pedestrian or cycle bicycle access because of the narrowness of the tunnels um, I don't know about you, but I want nothing to do with going through one of those tunnels when a quarry truck is coming down or going up. Um, So right now, pedestrians are prohibited. You'll often see people running up above Tunnel 1. That's a lot of the mines cross-country team, and they'll run around the Oxbow of Tunnel 1, then up a ways, and then come back. I think that is amazingly terrifying. Um, So the question is, how do we deal with this, and how do we deal with the frustration, or is this just a comment? Um, I share your frustration. Um, if you find yourself walking into 50 to $75 million and you're looking for a home, I will gladly take that. Uh, other than that, I don't really know how to do this trail other than bit um, one small little bit at a time. Uh, like I said, it's about $5 million a mile. We have eight plus miles to go in this segment in between the mouth and up canyon, so that's 40 million. Things are gonna get more expensive. Concrete gets more expensive. Steel gets more expensive every like two weeks, it seems. Um, So you can estimate that at call it 60 to 75 million dollars. So lots of money. But I liken this to Cherry Creek. Who's been on the Cherry Creek Trail? Probably pretty much all of us, right? Who lived here before the Cherry Creek Trail existed? Two of us. Can you imagine living here without the Cherry Creek Trail? It's just kind of one of those things. You know, this becomes part of why we live here, what we do here, and how we recreate and how we commute here. And people will grow up here, kids will grow up, and they'll never know anything different. Um, so it's all about putting that money in now. So thank you once again for being taxpayers here and paying your sales tax to fund this type of stuff. Um, I don't really have a good answer for you. I don't have a good answer on the timeline of when this will be completed. Um, It's just a little piece at a time. I will say that events like this, um, tours that we do of the Welch Ditch, tours that we do of the Trail, is huge. I've mentioned the model home effect, that this is really the first time that we have something that's tangible, something that we can feel, that we can walk, that we can ride, that we can walk down to the river, that we can take kids out. I didn't mention that everything we built up Canyon is ADA accessible. Um, so, that I actually see people out there in uh, wheelchairs being pushed by their kids. I see people, little kids, in Strider bikes, all sorts of stuff. So, this is for everyone. While this is part of a larger bike connection, it's way more than just bikes. Um, so, I'm sorry, just have some patience or win the lottery and donate some money. We have a 501c3 arm so you can get tax credit if that helps. Yes. It was completed like mid-90s, like 96 or something, I think. And this is kind of like that. So we all got to realize the hardest part takes a while and just let it be. And, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be whatever, but Wemble Canyon is an engineering miracle. This is a trail engineering miracle. So next time, just let it go. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) thank you i will add on to that that um the experience up there currently is way different than what it will be in the future call it 20 years when this is finished um because it's right now three miles seem to be four miles kind of out and back so called six or eight miles round trip no one who is a serious road biker is going to go up and ride that, maybe once just to do it, Um, but no one's going to be on there. So it's a very different experience, which is pretty cool. It's really family-friendly. It's great for out-of-town guests who want to be in the mountains, but can't climb a peak or can't really do anything. Like I said, this is all ADA accessible. We have very few um, sections that are over 5%. We have a couple that go up to about seven and a half, seven point six percent 7.6%, which is steeper than it sounds, but still not that bad. So it's really a cool experience right now, and it's great to see me as a designer I, for years have had how I want people and how I envision people Visiting and using and spending time on this trail. I'm going to put boulders here so they can sit. And I'm going to create a river access point here. And to see people out there using that and seeing kids out there, it's pretty awesome. Um, So thank you. You know, just have patience. You know, this is an amazing thing. Uh, I speak all over the place nationally within the state about this. And people are always blown away. Do you guys know how big Montana State Parks is? Montana State Parks is smaller than Jefferson County Open Space. All of Montana State Parks has a smaller budget annually than Jefferson County Open Space. Um, granted, Montana has tons and tons of federal land of all the different departments, um, but we're really lucky to live here and have the focus on recreation at the municipal level. It's really odd for me to have this job at the municipal level and not be part of BLM, not be part of Forest Service, not be part of national parks, but be able to have that impact at the local level. Um, so realize how special and how unique this is and how awesome it is for all all of us to live here. Yes. Yes. Two more questions. That's all we got. I'll be outside if we want more questions afterwards once we get kicked out. Yes. So what happens when the trail gets to Golden because it's already chaos in the summer and it's really busy? Uh, Golden's problem? (laughs) 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 Did I do that on purpose? I don't know. Um, No, it's a great question. Uh, So the trail, in my mind, has always been envisioned on both sides. And certain segments of that are on both sides. But I agree, I think there needs to be improvement to the opposite side. Um, maybe even widening some of the areas because it's so congested. Um, we've all been on this in the middle of summer, especially on a farmer's market day, and it's chaos down there. Um, I think that that's always going to be a trouble spot. I don't really know the answer to that one. Um, but, yeah, that's something that I'm most certainly aware of. That's something that Golden City is most certainly aware of. So, Last question. Ding, ding, ding. Winner. So question, uh, if you gave me all the money in the world, could I do this faster? And two, is there a push to have more tax money? Correct, something like that? Uh, So first answer, um, I didn't mention it once again, uh, but we have a federally threatened mouse that lives up Canyon. Has anyone ever heard of the Prebble's Meadow Jumping Mouse? It's a little mouse that has a really long tail. It's like four times the size length of its body. We have that up Canyon. Um, So as a result, we have heavy permits that start with the Fish and Wildlife Service. So the process is slow, just to begin with, um, because uh, any other agency that is issuing a permit, like uh, Army Corps of Engineers, which gives us a 404 permit, they need environmental clearance. Environmental clearance comes from the Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, We all know what's happening at the federal level right now, Uh, sequestration, everyone's slow. Um, So long story short, if you gave me a blank check right now and said, hey, Scott, just go build it finish it. I would think, if we included the mouth of the canyon, it would be six to eight years to finish it. Um, You also have high water. There's only certain seasons you can build. It's not like I can build year-round. I can't pour concrete on a north-facing slope in January when it's six degrees out and it hasn't seen sun in two months, or won't see sun for another two months. So there are limitations on the building season, uh, at the mouth of the canyon, we did a survey and did not find the mouse. We did find Spranthes, Does anyone know Spranthes, That's the Ute Lady tresses Orchid, Federally Threatened Orchid. Um, so we will be going through the same process, but for uh, flora and Santa Fauna. Um Maybe we'll find prebbles. We we yeah. Um, so that's the kind of first question. The second question is, is there or has there been any thought to getting more tax revenue? So I mentioned earlier that when the tax was initiated, there was a 1% tax within the county and we were greedy and we took half of it. There's now a 1.5% sales tax that goes to the county. So we're taking a third of that. Taking more of that, um, well, open space is well loved, well appreciated across political parties within the county, I don't think that we could do that. If we wanted to do a big bond, um, we could do that, except we currently have a bond of $160 million that we're paying off. And per Tabor, does everyone know taxpayer bill of rights? Per Tabor, we can't bond while we currently have a bond. Um, That bond is awesome. Late 90s, real estate was booming. Dot-com crashed. Real estate got cheap. Foresight of Plan Jeffco, $160 million for acquisitions. So for the 2000s, we gorged on land. We're now paying that back. Uh, 2021, 2022, give or take, we'll be done with all that bond debt. So maybe we can rebond at that point. Um, but I personally don't see us increasing sales tax. We're pretty lucky and kind of greedy as we already are, I'll admit it. So and I think that's it. I think we're out of time. I'll be outside if we have more questions. Thank you all. This has been awesome.
0: Just, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, next month we have a speaker who's a scientist on earthquakes. Uh-huh. And um, all varieties. So that should be pretty interesting. I also want to um, encourage you to buy a t-shirt if you would like one. And um, one more hand, please, for the staff here at the Windy Saddle. Thank you so much. Have a great month. (laughs)